episode 96 of our Brooklyn Bites. I'm Stephanie. I'm Leon. And it's September. Yeah, it's Back right. to school. <laughs> well, it's just about September by the time this goes live. It is the season. So you ready for school? Uh, you got your knapsack and your pencil case? Thankfully, I don't have that concern anymore. Did you used to? Yeah, of course. Do you feel like parents overshop for now, like, for back to school? Um, it's, I think it's a retail push. They, they definitely start yeah. early and they try like, to get I don't people. remember ever, like, going shopping when I was low for, like, I had the one pencil case for, like, eight years. I would use the same one over and over again. And, like, the only thing we would buy is maybe book covers. Right. Because we had to, like, rent the books and you had to keep them in good condition. Yeah, I remember making book covers out of, like, just... Paper bags, right? Cardboard, right. Car- yeah, that's what we would right, do. Yeah, we'd wrap bags. it with paper bags that you get from the grocery store. And you tape it. Uh-huh. You tape it down. We never even bought anything. Pens, maybe, or pencils? And then you make your own cover on the on the cardboard. Or on the, yeah, or on the paper fun. bag. <laughs> I think the only thing I would look forward to for this new school year was was like a new lunchbox, like those. Like I, would... I never had a lunchbox. Oh, really? Yeah. I will. I always went home for lunch because uh. I went to private school. I had a few of those old style metal lunchboxes, and I would always so be... lucky. It was my. It was and it my, had the thermos in it. It had a thermos. Came with a matching thermos. So cool. <laughs> and it was always uh, one of my. Uh, you know, based on one of my favorite shows or cartoons or something. Like Dukes of Hazard. Could be. Who knows? Uh, wait, don't tell oh, me. Wait, Battlestar asking... Galactica. Oh, definitely. You had that one. I had actually. I definitely had a Space 1999 lunchbox. Oh man! <laughs> believe that's... it. Or, believe it or not, you were that kid. <laughs> that's what all the kids wanted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. There was. There was just too many to pick from. Well, the only ones I remember that I wanted were the Dragon Slayer and the Pac Man one. Mm-hmm. Dragon's Lair, huh? Yeah. And do you think that one was based more on, like, the Saturday morning cartoon than, uh, than the actual game? I think it was just, like, the same artwork they always used. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Unless I'm imagining it. Maybe it never existed. Cool. <laughs> Maybe this was, like, my, my childhood fantasy that I've always wished there was one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to have to look them up. I'm sure there's some hardcore lunchbox collectors out there that know for sure. Yeah, especially the tin ones. I remember in the 90s when I was getting into toy collecting... I used to go around, I look for lunchboxes, and the tin ones were always so much money. Mm-hmm. It was insane. Yeah, and then, you know, eventually they all just went to plastic. Yeah. Because it was safer, I guess. And it didn't rust, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember getting knocked in the head with a metal lunchbox once. Uh, on purpose? No, no, it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> it was just, you know, kids being rowdy, and I was nice. just, my head was in the wrong uh, place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. I, I guess the plastics would be safer, except now there's something called like BPA or something like that, right? And like you're not supposed to eat out of plastics unless it's BPA free or something. Oh, gee, I didn't even know about that. Yeah, there's some kind of I don't know things. Things <laughs> are always changing. So all right, so we don't have to worry about school. Yeah. But, so what do we have to worry about then? Uh, well, for my in my case, I, I went back and played um, a Super Nintendo game this week. Because it was... I saw a lot of talk about the 25th anniversary of the SNES, right? There is? Yeah, apparently there was a lot, of, a lot of news articles, a lot of the video game websites were talking about how it's, you know, 25 years of since, you know, the launch of the SNES. I saw a couple of clickbait articles like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back in 1981. So I thought, all right, maybe I should play something to commemorate that. 
and I could have picked something more iconic like Super Metroid or you know, A Link to the Past or, or, or you know, Yoshi's Island or something like that. Something that was in the my... classics. Something that was in my queue. Something uh-huh. to, to play uh, as one of the major games that I haven't played yet. But I decided to go a little more off the beaten path this time. And I picked a game called Pocky and Rocky. You familiar with this title? I've heard of it. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Not something ever in my collection, but yeah. Yeah, this was... I know it was, a, it was a popular... Not popular, but it was always like a cult favorite. Yeah, it seems to be, right? Uh-huh. It was. I think it was one of the one of the games that I was first introduced. You know, it was one, among the first that I got to play on the system back then. And I didn't never really played it all that much because it just seemed like, you know, okay, this is an interesting game, but, you know, I wanted to move on to something else. Now, what drew you into that, into looking at that game? Into this looking, particular game yeah. this time? No, back then. Uh, I like, think... Like, why did it stand out to you? I think because it was it had such a heavy Japanese influence. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know the game is sort of in a, it looks like uh, ancient Japan. I mean, it's more mythical. There's more like creatures in this one. But back then, I was so used to Western games. I was more used to PC games. So having something so heavily Japanese and something that was. Yeah, this was also at the height of my anime fandom, too. So so getting something like this, these were the type of games that I was not being exposed to on the PC side. So it was certainly just something unique to that platform. I thought you were going to say because you liked the candy Pocky. <laughs> and I am pretty sure this was before I was even aware of what Pocky you was. You think so? Yeah, you might be right. I don't remember when I first heard of Pocky, but it was probably in the 90s. In the 90s, for sure. Yeah. That was around the time when I was hitting a lot of, um, you know, uh, sort of local Japanese supermarkets. There are a few in this area still to this day. Yeah. <laughs> but there are a few that you can go to and get uh, Japanese snacks. And I think they're more widely distributed now. You can find them in more places. You know, because there are... There's still lo- not, as, not that much still. Yeah, perhaps not in, like, your local shop right or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> but... But certainly, it's it's around. I think they have better distribution nowadays. Back then, they used to import that stuff themselves. Mm. You know. But in any case, uh, this is a top-down scrolling shooter, right? So it's kind of in the vein of like maybe a Commando or Ikari Warriors style of a game, but it's more like you know because it's like feudal ancient Japan or something. Mm-hmm. Then it's got a totally different different flavor to it. It was released in Japan back in December of 1992 and in the U.S. and Europe in the summer of 1993. It was developed and published by Natsume, uh, but it was licensed from Taito. Taito actually owns the rights to the property, and Natsume decided to... I don't know what kind of deal they worked out, but... But this is actually a sequel to a Taito game. I never knew that Taito had was the original maker of that game. Yeah. Yeah, pretty weird, right? Uh-huh. Um, so, obviously, based on the title, the two lead characters in this game are Paki, which is... Um, uh, she's supposed to be a Shinto shrine maiden. Shintoism is a religion in Japan part of the whole culture of, you know, ancient Japan, and she's kind of like a priestess or a shaman. She's that kind of a character. And Rocky is a tanuki, 
also known as a raccoon dog. This is a species that is native to Japan. And uh, <laughs> either you can play as either character, either in single-player mode, or you can play a cooperative two-player mode where two players can control, you know, one of them. Um, they play about the same, supposedly, but Paki is slightly faster in movement. And Rocky's, like, a little slower, but he's got, like, better range in certain situations, depending on what he's, what kind of, uh, kind of movie he's doing. Um, but I decided to play as Pocky. It was the, you know, as what I perceived of as the main character for the game. So I'm like, all right, Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna roll with this one. And the story in the game, uh, you get an initial sort of cutscene that tells you what's going on. And throughout the game, you actually get cutscenes in between each of the... Uh, each of the levels to explain the story further and you know let you know what happened. But in the beginning, the cutscene is that there's a group of goblins called the Nopino goblins, and they're rampaging. And they're stopped by they were stopped by Pocky previously, supposedly in the last game. But Rocky shows up and says, "Oh, they've gone nuts again. We're going to have to stop them." And Rocky is actually one of them. But he comes to Pocky and says, "You helped last time. We need your help again." So let's go take care of these goblins. Uh, So the controls are pretty basic in the game. You've got uh, the ability to throw magic cards uh, when you're playing as Pocky. Is that like Gambit from (laughs) X-Men? You would think it's a lot like that. Uh, They call them magic cards. When you're playing as Rocky... Or is it Magic the Gathering cards? uh, I think this is before that. (laughs) It's pre-magic. Pre-magic, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, Rocky has magic leaves instead, but they both do the same thing. Um, and you've also got the option to throw them one at a time, and there's actually a separate button to do repeat fire. So you could actually use uh, the Y button to just fire continuously, which is great. I use that a lot. Uh, the B button gives you a magic stick, which lets you wave a wand. And that's used kind of like as a melee attack. It's also used to block projectiles coming in towards you. Uh, Rocky can wave his tail instead. So he turns around and kind of swats his tail around, and that's, he has the same effect. Now, holding down the B button, which is what's used to use that attack, will either charge a Pocky in a spin attack, or Rocky will become a stone statue for a period of time. I didn't find that particular move very useful, because it took too long to charge up, so I didn't really think that was too, too great. Uh, the X button gives you a sliding move, lets you maneuver quickly out of the way of something. And you've also got a bomb attack using the shoulder buttons. All of these are remappable within the game if you don't like that layout, but I just stuck to the defaults, they were no problem. Uh, throughout the game, I encounter a lot of power ups too. So let me just explain the power ups real quick. Um, there's uh, several colored balls, and each of them do a different thing, but basically, uh, one type lets you power up the magic cards to have like uh so the magic cards are thrown in like a pattern as you power it up it gets like into a wider attack pattern so you know you normally you're throwing them in a straight line but then as you as you power it up more you get more of a cone style attack right uh but uh red balls switch your attacks from magic cards into a fire shot so now you've got kind of a fireball style attack and it's more concentrated it might be more powerful i couldn't really tell uh, but I pretty much stuck to the blue balls, which power up the magic cards. I, I like that approach better because it just gives you a, a wider, you know, area of attack. 
there's also the ability to pick up bombs. There's a few of those that you get. Uh, a temporary shield, which helps keep you alive longer. Uh, there's also like health recharges. And the weird thing is something called Mad Dog. <laughs> and Mad Dog is uh, like sort of a... Uh, an ally that shows up that you can ride on. It's just not like, the it's not the Mad Dog McCree from and, the classic full motion video. That would really be uh, out of place in this game. This to have this cowboy show up suddenly. <laughs> yeah. So no, it's definitely not that. He's basically this animal that you can ride temporarily. It gives you like you know, it's like the typical like like in Metal Slug, you can jump into a vehicle, into a jeep or something, and run over enemies, and mm-hmm. and you know, it's that kind of a thing. You yeah. know, temporarily. Uh, but you're not allowed to attack while you're riding on this thing. So you could r- use it to run past enemies and knock them over, but you can't actually like fire your cards or anything like that. Uh, so there's another thing you run into called uh, what the manual refers to as help man in a very generic way. <laughs> and all it does is, is just, it's, a, it's, it's usually some kind of a hidden like uh, mystic or priest or something. That will drop special items, and sometimes it can be that mad dog creature. <laughs> uh, the street difficulty levels, easy, normal, or hard. I just played on, on normal. I thought that was just, uh, you know, the right balance. And this, like I said, six stages in the whole game. So I'll give you a quick, brief <laughs> rundown of what each one was like. Spoiler-free, right? Uh, nah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna talk about it in, in, to some degree. I'm gonna okay, figure okay. people have had plenty of time to play this game. Sure. So this is just my recounting of of how things went for me. And the first one is in a zone called the Haunted Shrine, and this is a pretty scary place. There's green jack o' lanterns popping out of wells. There's ghosts flying across the screen. Um, there's one-eyed umbrellas that, that hop out of the woods. One-eyed umbrellas. So there's okay. these green umbrella creatures with, like, a single big eye on the top of them that jump out. And there's, like, skeletons. So right away, you know you're not in just normal Japan. This mm-hmm. is... Unless unless there's a place in Japan where this happens. Uh, there's, you know, sort of... Um, uh, baskets that you find, that you find some power-ups in. And right away, one like... I try to get one of them, and a, a, a skeleton will pop out of one of them. Like, I think it's like a power-up, but instead it's it'll say sorry in its head. Like, as if it's like, oh, sorry to bother you, but this is an enemy. This is not a power-up. Um, so I'm able to block the, you know, the skeletons throw bones at me, and I'm able to block them with the magic stick. That works out pretty good. And, um... I don't know, I like using... Um, when, whenever there's, like, a, a lot of stuff coming out towards you, you can just hit... Most of, them, most of them can get just knocked away with that stick move. And that's pretty useful, especially during uh, boss encounters. Uh, I, I found an interesting curiosity, though. Like, the sound of swatting the enemies away mm-hmm. uh, is just like Atari 2600 Space Invaders. Whenever you're shooting the aliens in Space mm-hmm. Invaders, they make that very kind of distinctive sound. And I heard a very similar sound yeah, coming like from the, this game. It's true. It's like the explosion sound. It's like that that blooping sound uh-huh. that you get when you when you shoot an enemy. It's, it's very similar. Yeah. Uh, other weird things encountered on this level. There's something called uh, giant darumas, and you might have seen what these things look like. They're sort of like these little red statues with like uh, a winking eye or something, and they usually some kind of uh, usually indicate like good luck or something like that. You see them in a lot of. Um, Asian stores in the window they have them there so (laughs) 
another type of creature that you see here. Um, there's like these weird, this weird cyclops gob- goblin. Uh, there's like statues that come to life when I shoot them. So like normally they're just like there on the side of the, the stage and they'll just suddenly jump alive whenever you, and you know charge towards me. But the first boss that I run into is this giant Nopino goblin who um, has multiple attacks. Either throws nuts from his basket. Wait, you you say this as if we should know what a Nopino goblin is. <laughs> He's a giant goblin. He's okay. just one of the goblins that are going nuts. And sure enough, that means he's throwing nuts at me. Mm. <laughs> he's either spitting them from his mouth. I, I like nuts, though. I would, I would prefer that. Uh, yeah, but they do damage in this case. Oh. <laughs> so you probably don't want to get hit by them. You'd rather... Oh, well, because they're probably shelled, right? I mean, they have the shells on Yeah, them, yeah. So. They're definitely yeah. not, uh, you know... They're not the kind I you I prefer just mine, like, roasted with salt, maybe. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think they... I don't know if that was common back then. In the 90s? Oh, in the 90s. Oh, does this take place, like, in some other... I thought you meant in, like, you know, like, 1500. Yeah. Well, this guy also rolls up into a giant ball and can roll towards me. And usually uh, that dash maneuver is used to get out of the way. And typically the the wand can block it, or the tail, if you're using Rocky instead. Um, Either way, this fight is not a huge problem. Uh, After his defeat, he comes to his senses... And he tells us about some wild party last night where a mysterious stranger known as Black Mantle appeared. And he got zapped by him, and that's the last thing he remembers. He doesn't know anything more about it. So next we go off to the Enchanted Forest. This is the next stage that comes up. There's wild monkeys here. There's weird houses with... A strange tentacle that comes out of it with like a girl's head at the end of the tentacle. Okay. Um, there's uh, spiky roots that come out of the ground that look a bit like pineapples, maybe, but I'm sure they're meant to be something else. They kind of block my path, and I usually have to shoot through them to, to be able to proceed. Um, there's some kind of bird man who like flies around me and just throws like a boomerang attack of some kind. Uh, there's a fire breathing cyclops here. Now, I think he's named Mr. Oboe, according to the manual. I don't know if that's accurate. Descendant of Abobo? <laughs> I wonder about that. Because <laughs> they look a little bit similar. But he goes down pretty fast. Um, and in the next part of the stage, these root creatures that were originally just stationary, now they're kind of burrowing under the ground after me, and they try to, like, pop up under my feet. To, to damage me. Uh, but the next mini-boss encountered here is a large bamboo tree. <laughs> he's got a few of those roots around him to protect him. Um, and he also throws leaves to you know as an attack. Leaves aren't deadly. These Come are fast, on. sharp leaves. Sharp leaves? I would worry about these. Okay. <laughs> uh, but he's actually but doesn't, pretty doesn't one of your characters throw leaves also? Exactly. So this is like a battle of leaves. Wow. It's pretty amazing. Uh, after beating him, another Cyclops is encountered. He's a little tougher this time because of the terrain. Now I've got the danger of falling off a cliff to worry about as well as fighting him. Uh, but after that, this leads to another portion of the stage where I'm on a raft. And this is where things get a little more challenging. So now I'm on a river and these river goblins, and this is actually from Japanese legend. These are called Kappas. 
and they come up onto the raft and they try to drag me off the raft into the river. And apparently, this is there's a real legend that this corresponds that to. Horrifying. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they're like they're like green and look like uh, kind of I don't know, kind of like crab men or something. Um, very weird. Uh, there's also crabs that float over the raft in bubbles, and they pop, and they land on the raft, mm. and they're trying to come after me, too. And eventually, another raft comes, and there's a goblin on there throwing bombs onto my raft. And luckily, it's pretty easy to just swat a lot of this stuff off, but it a lot of this starts happening all at once, and it's uh, a little challenging. But eventually, this leads to a boss fight with a giant cyclops octopus. There's a giant octopus with a single big eye. A lot, of, a lot of cyclopses in this game so far. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got an attack where he shoots a jet of water out of his mouth. So you kind of want to stay out of his direct path. But he's also got four tentacles that rise above the water, which look like sea serpents. And they spit fireballs. But I think the challenge there is to try to shoot them before they shoot the fireballs. If you hit them a bunch of times, they'll sink back into the water without firing. So... Uh, that's the goal there. Uh, they rise and fall every time you hit him uh, until you finally do enough damage and he's finally beaten. Do any of these characters have weak spots you have to hit or you just pound them with your weapon? That's it. Uh, in this, cards? So far, none of them really are vulnerable only in one spot. Okay. You can pretty much hit them anywhere and they'll take so not damage. not a huge amount of skill. Are we auto-scrolling in any of these stages or is it just... Uh, not yet. Okay. Uh, the river is a little bit of an auto-scroll, but... Yeah. but Things seem pretty static. But it's mostly... Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, later on, there are definitely some spots where the screen forces you to move forward. Mm-hmm. You're mostly running in a straight line, then? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. There's no, like, uh, mazes or anything? Uh, not until later. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> well, not so much, but it's coming soon. <laughs> uh, there's, you know, uh, after you've beaten this, this particular stage, the defeated goblins kind of give a hint as to where Black Mantle might be. Uh, it seems like as you beat these creatures, they sort of they snap out of whatever delirium is causing them to attack, and they kind of tell you like what to do next. So the next area is called the Cemetery Mystery. And this stage starts off with a nice kind of transparency effect. There's like a nice ghostly fog over the land, over the gates to the cemetery, and... Uh, zombies are rising out of the ground and there's these weird eyeball bats flying around. These are also Cyclops bats, I suppose. I was going to say eyeball bats, meaning, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have just a giant eye in the middle. <laughs> nice. Uh, there's also f- a floating jack-o'-lantern that shoots, like, stars out. And uh, some of the tombstones in the grave form passages that have to be maneuvered through. So as you're walking through the graveyard, there's, like, little dead ends in the areas that you have to sort of... Um, you know, you have to maneuver through these passages to, to get, like, either, like, a treasure chest or something like that inside. Um, eventually, I come to this chapel. I come to, like, a big sort of what looks like a, a chapel within the graveyard where the doors slam shut as soon as I try to go into it, and this giant skeletal, like, bishop-like creature shows up floating in the air. Uh, he's got multiple attacks, including a freeze ray, a stream of fireballs or spinning blades and after a lot of dodging <laughs> uh, I uh, eventually beat him and I'm the doors open up and I'm in a room full of bats and green slimes followed by this joker looking character maybe like uh, like the joker from like a, a, a deck of cards mm. 
Right. Uh, he okay. throws out like spades and clubs and you know like oh, all, all really? the different suits of a card. Uh-huh. Um, this guy doesn't look like he belongs in ancient Japan, though. I don't know if those type of cards were prevalent back then. <laughs> was there any type of changes that were made when this was brought here to America? Um, Perhaps maybe that was like a. I wonder. Of... I don't know. I don't think so. Mm. I'm going to say probably not. Okay. Yeah, I don't see anything in the wiki about that, so maybe not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in the next room, there's a genie that is like kind of floating between these sets of pots and occasionally becomes this cloud of smoke. Uh, once beating him, I'm, I'm kind of back outside where all of a sudden like the, the land is very unstable and there's like a series of quakes happening that's causing the landscape to shift. There's uh, one passage that I can barely get through without being crushed. So, like, there's a portion where it's like sort of like a little valley, and as I try to run through it, the the you know the walls of the canyon start to close in on me. Uh, so that took a little bit of practice to get through. This uh, skeleton bishop-looking guy kind of returns as the final boss for this stage, and he has the same set of attacks as before, but he's a little more. He moves around a lot more this time. And again, there's also um, a little more precarious. There's like a, there's like an, a cliff edge that I can potentially fall off of if I'm not too careful. Uh, but after beating him, I find out that the Gorgonzola goblins are responsible. Are you, you're joking, right? This is what they wrote in the game. Gorgonzola, okay. Gorgonzola goblins, they cast a spell, and they're to blame for the Nopino goblins acting the way they are. So it's one group of goblins causing the other group to go bananas. <laughs> I know. I've got some things to say about the this translation is, being done here. This is Japanese mythology? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> but it, I'll get to that. <laughs> we begin to move towards the fortress now. I've, we sort of see that, all right, the Gorgonzolas are to blame for this. We see the for- their fortress off in the distance, and we see a ship that can get us there. So we start to move in that direction. So the next stage is called the Battle in the Sky, right? So in this one, uh, it happens across some kind of treacherous areas up in the mountains, right? There's enemies that include uh, these storm clouds that are, like, throwing lightning and whirling tornadoes, and there's, like, boulders tumbling down, like, made of skulls, like giant skulls. At one point, uh, I do shoot... I see a falcon sitting in a tree. I end up shooting him, and that reveals one of these uh, hidden, like, shamans that are in the game. Uh, it, some kind of mystic appears. This time, it's a it's a floating woman in robes. She's, like, just kind of flying around the screen playing, like, some kind of stringed instrument. <laughs> but she's dropping a bunch of goodies on the ground. And one of them is that mad dog creature. So I hop onto that. He kind of looks like a miniature version of the dragon from NeverEnding Story, but, like, really small. Okay. This reminds me a little of the Space Harrier bonus stages. Yeah? When you're, like, you're, did, you ever, did you ever play Space Harrier? When you, uh, not you just, too deep. You ride this, like, it's almost like the NeverEnding Story dog, and you just kind of run into anything. Uh-huh. You don't, you don't shoot or anything. You just Maybe it's a similar type of creature. Yeah. Maybe. So this lets me hop ahead into the level a little bit more. Uh, eventually, once we get closer to this ship, it turns out some like some kind of like very scaly-looking airship. So I get to this part of the stage. It's inhabited by all sorts of like pirate-looking guys, 
<laughs> some are armed with muskets. Others like kind of bounce around a lot, like as if they're like I don't know. They just b- kind of bounce. That's their attack. Uh, some of them throw bombs. Uh, in particular, the captain shows up. He's got uh, a uh, he throws bombs, and he's also got a hook chain that he throws out and tries to like hit me with. Uh, he's also got what looks like a pirate version of the clown car from from like like Bowser's clown car. Bowser Junior's got like mm-hmm. a little cl- clown car, same kind of thing. Except this is like a pirate version of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this part of the stage auto scrolls. So uh, in between shooting at these pirates, I have to shoot open doors. So the stage is scrolling, but there's doors in the way, and I have to kind of blow the doors open. Meanwhile, there's there's guys shooting at me. Um, there's dragon heads in the walls shooting fireballs that I have to watch out for. Those are also destroyable. Uh, at the end, a harpy, or looks like some kind of bird creature, in like a knight's armor flies in and confirms that Black Mantle, the enemy here, is in the castle. And uh, this creature attacks by flying side to side and throwing more sharp feathers. <laughs> so you don't have just sharp leaves to worry about, you got sharp feathers to worry about too. Uh, occasionally dives in for like a talent attack and this is a pretty tough fast boss I uh, used a bomb in the end to kind of finish it off after I had damaged it enough and after this we arrive at the fortress where Black Mantle warns us of our doom (laughs) so this part of this next stage is called the Forbidden Castle and the first area looks a bit like a prison like full of nopey no creatures that I've fought before. There's orc guards here that throw daggers, and there's exploding barrels. Um, there's like stone statues in the wall that fire eye beams, and there's also these weird lanterns that shoot green flames. If um, so, basically these lanterns are like situated in different spots, and you see a green flame start, and before. If you shoot the lantern, the green flame goes out. But if you don't manage to shoot it, it'll release the green flame and it'll come towards me. So I basically try to shoot the lanterns before that happens. Uh, Further on, there's a lot of weird contraptions. There's stone heads with like three faces on them that blow these jets of flame. There's ghost containment machines where like when I go near it, you see like a ghost appear in it and then the ghost is released. So it only produces this one ghost. I guess it was holding it prisoner, but then when I got close to it, it, it got let loose. Uh, there's flying hands, there's disembodied hands floating around, and uh, giant spike marbles to avoid. Uh, it becomes more clear that this is place is less of a prison and more of like some kind of twisted laboratory, maybe, mm. where a lot of these creatures were being like held to be experimented on. Because what happens at the end is a boss appears who is a vampire. And he says he will use me in his experiments after catching me. Uh, He attacks by swooping around the screen and releasing swarms of bats, which can be swatted away pretty easily. But the real problem here is the floor that gets electrified. There's like panels in the floor that get electrocuted and I have to get away from them before getting caught in them. Uh, he'll eventually turn into a giant bat by the end of the fight, but soon after that, is he's easily beaten. Uh, Pocky and Rocky release all the prisoners at this point, and then head on to the final stage, which is called the Battle with Black Mantle. Hmm. So I move further into the fortress. There's knights with lances for arms, so instead of having, like, normal forearms, the, just their, their arms are, like, lances that, that they try to swipe with. 
Um, there's laser firing spiders. There's floating like priest looking guys and uh, a giant beast that hops around side to side and spits out a giant fireball as well. Uh, so first I have to fight a mini boss, which is a mystical knight <laughs> made of several floating parts. He's got an orb in his center. He's kind of cool when he first appears. You just see the orb. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, the different parts of the armor form around it and become, like, the knight. Uh, he has three attacks, as you would expect. <laughs> He's got a sword strike. He's got a fireball that can be released from his shield. And he's also got a lightning attack from his eyes. And once beating him, it takes a little bit of effort. But after beating him, I finally confront Black Mantle, the the final boss. He sounds surprised that we made it all the way this far. Uh, You know, but he says, you know, I'll take care of you now that you're here. (laughs) Initially, he's protected by these two gargoyle statues that are on either side of him that I have to destroy first. And um, they attack, and then he's also flying around shooting lightning attacks, so I have to eliminate these these statues first. Um, pretty hard to avoid, though. He's got this insane lightning attack that just kind of follows me all over the screen. I pretty much have to slide to avoid it the whole way until he stops attacking. Uh, eventually, he also throws pieces of his robe. He's got this big black robe that he wears, and mm-hmm. he, he like tears two pieces of the robe off and throws them at me to try to like ensnare me. Uh, that's usually a bad thing. <laughs> but after a lot of effort, he's finally defeated. He kind of just fades away, and the Gorgonzola goblins kind of all wake up from the spell of Black Mantle, so they were under his spell, too. Uh... And as it turns out, all the creatures were good goblins after all. And it was all that bad Black Mantle's fault for putting everybody under a spell. Those Black Mantles. <laughs> How will they learn? Yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> uh, overall, this was kind of a fun game. I think it got progressively more difficult as the stages went on. Things got a lot harder as you know you got deeper into the game. Do you think it's a good kids game? Um, in the beginning, I guess it would be. Maybe it's more bearable if you play it on easy. Mm. But I don't know. Uh, I found normal pretty challenging as okay. it was. Um, music was very good. Strong bass track in most of the tunes that gave it a nice groove. I mean, it's very... I don't know. Obviously, I don't know traditional Japanese music too well, but it sounds... No, no. <laughs> Are you surprised? <laughs> Uh, it sounds like it's very fitting for this type of uh, setting, you know. It looks look it fits the game pretty well. I thought it was pretty good. But with regards to the translation done with this game, I, I, I got a copy of the manual. Uh, you know, a scan of the manual, I should say. So I'm just looking through the characters that they describe here. And... I gotta say, I think the localization of, of you know, the character descriptions was really lazy on the part of, I don't know who did it, I guess Natsume USA or somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't bother to reference any of them in my descriptions because I just think they were just, um, they were just phoning it in for this, <laughs> for this manual. Uh, the Kappas and Mr. Obo might be the only ones that were kind of authentic, but let me just give you some examples. I mean, the umbrellas were called Anbi. <laughs> Oh. Okay. The skeletons were called Skelety. Nice. The snake creature was called Snakey. <laughs> I think that's what I called my snake when I was six uh-huh. years old. Uh-huh. Uh, the zombies were called Zombies with a Z at the end. 
Uh, so Easy to remember. I don't know. The pirate captain was called Pirate Pete. <laughs> Uh, so I think oh I, it would have been nice if I had some kind of reference from the original version of the game, mm-hmm. just to kind of understand where some of these characters come from. I'm sure a lot of them are reflections of just Japanese mythology. Uh, so it would have been interesting just to know what those are from, but no such luck in this case. Uh, I also noticed in the manual there's a Game Master Challenge at the end. What's that? Uh, it says, defeat this game and take a picture of the ending screen with your face in it. And this is for SNES and NES games. And send the picture to Natsume and you will be designated a Natsume Game Master. Cool. And you will be awarded the following prizes. Okay. So number one was a Game Master sweatshirt. Not available in stores. Please specify size. Nice. And it's just a t-shirt or like a sweatshirt. Oh, wow. sleeve sweatshirt that actually says Natsume huh, that's pretty cool. Game Master. Sweet. <laughs> uh, you've also got a Game Master certificate suitable for framing. Nice. So I'm wondering how many people out there Aww. have one of these. And it also says Game Master's names will appear in the Natsume newsletter. Wow. So did you even know there was a Natsume I newsletter? I did not. No. <laughs> they give a list of games that qualify huh. for the challenge. And uh, I actually don't know a lot of these games. I know I know of Scat. That was one of them. How can you not know Scat? Yeah. <laughs> I actually can't read some of these. The scan is not good enough for me to tell what this is. Is that Spanky's uh, Quest, I think that is? M- maybe. Is yeah. That, does that say Quest? I think I'm looking at it upside down, but I'm pretty sure if I remember that game correctly. This um, Amazing Penguin. Mm-hmm. I don't know what this Something is. Something Tell the Gator. Uh, yeah, I think so. Maybe. Um, I'm looking up this Natsume newsletter. I want to see if this is something that actually got made and exists in the real world somewhere, or if it was just a Japanese thing. I don't know. No, I think this is just, uh, you know, it was definitely a U.S. thing. Mm. This is a U.S. copy of the manual. Natsume sweatshirt. Let's see <laughs> if this is on eBay. I'm just curious, right? Uh, yeah, I don't actually want to own it, but... Because I'm the I'm the type of fool that would send away for those things in the books. Uh-huh. <laughs> like if there was a, a poster or a chance of winning something, I always would send in like UPC codes, whatever I had to do. Yeah, I wonder. Wonder if anybody's got one of these. I don't see anything on eBay at the moment, but I'm sure anything is possible. Well, I did check eBay for copies of this game just to see what they go for. Yeah. And. Well, let's just say uh, I'll start off with the lowest priced option, which is a repro card. And that doesn't count. It's even repros, even repros, were selling for between thirty-five and fifty-five dollars, oh, yeah. okay. which I can't believe. Yeah, me neither. A repro should be, I don't know, cost of materials plus a few bucks, maybe at most. So fifteen bucks, maybe. Okay. But if you wanted an original cart, loose carts were selling between seventy-five and one hundred and sixty-five dollars. That is weird. Believe it or not. Yeah. I don't, but okay. Uh, Loose carts with either a box or a manual included Mm. were selling between $127 to $196. And complete in box was selling for between $195 to as high as $618. I saw there was even one copy that sold for $800 Canadian with $50 shipping. So that's a lot of cash. Wow, wow, wow. (laughs) And 
there was a sequel to this game called Pocky and Rocky 2, and that sells for even more, because that was an even yeah, later that was, pr- produced mm-hmm. game in much smaller quantities. Right, yes. Uh-huh. But I won't get into what that goes for. Uh, I can imagine. <laughs> uh, so as I mentioned earlier, Pocky and Rocky is actually known in Japan as a game called Kiki Kai Kai. That was the original title of the arcade game that it was based from. And the full title is... You know, uh, well, Kiki Kai Kai translates as something like Mysterious Ghost World. Uh, the Enigma of Black Mantle is sort of the title for this game if you're getting the Super Famicom version. Uh, but, you know, it's a sequel to a 1986 arcade game simply called Kiki Kai Kai. That was the game that Taito had produced. Mm. And uh, that game had many home conversions, actually. There were versions made for the MSX2, for the PC Engine, and the Famicom Disk System. You count those as home conversions? Those are... This was basically a Japanese game, so right. that's pretty much where you would find the conversions for it. Uh, so the characters, Paki and Rocky, in Japan are known as Sayo-chan and Manuke. <laughs> Alright. Glad they changed it. A little different. Paki and Rocky is a little more catchy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Pocky and Rocky 2 came out on the Super Nintendo. This was one of the sequels in 1994. So, two years later, there was a sequel. Uh, There was another sequel that came in 2001 on the Game Boy Advance, and that was called Pocky and Rocky with Becky. Yeah, I don't remember that one. They actually added a third character to the game. I don't remember it. Okay. There was another follow-up. This this is a a loosely related game called Heavenly Guardian. I don't know if you're aware of this game. This was released for PlayStation 2 and Wii in 2007. I do seem to remember that one. So this game was originally planned as a a sequel in this series, but there was some conflict with the rights with Taito. Like, for some reason, they couldn't quite work out the licensing of the original game because Taito had since been acquired and was no longer sort of playing along with uh, with licensing out their older games. So it was kind of... A lot of the characters were changed and the game was just kind of released as Heavenly Guardian. But it was definitely plays and feels like a game in the series. Yeah, I see the jack-o'-lantern guy is in it and mm-hmm. the skeleton guy. Okay. Cyclops man is in there. Okay, cool. Yeah, so if you want more action... I do remember the seeing that game on a shelf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember it came out, and it came out kind of, you know... It was pretty late already, 2007. Yeah. yeah. was uh, kind of... We were in that period where, you know, the PS2 had been around for a while, but the Wii was out, so we got a lot of sort of dual-platform PS2 slash Wii games yep. somehow. Uh-huh. So that was an uh, interesting time. But... I thought this was kind of an interesting game to play. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to play any of the sequels, but mm. it was kind of like it. I thought it was fun. Right, I know? just I just found the difficulty a little a little much by the mm. end, but yeah. but it's still fun. Worth checking out if you like these type of sort of. It's sort of a cutesy shooter. It sort of overlaps that genre. Yeah, I was going to say that. Was, that's kind of. I feel like it's a cutesy cutesy shooter. But without a lot of the cutesy type stuff that you typically see in those games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's... Like that over the, it's not that over the top. It's more... That's why I wonder if maybe it's a good kid's game. But mm-hmm. I'm even not even sure it's that. Yeah, I guess so. If they're up for a challenge, yeah. I suppose it could be. I See, I was telling you earlier that I feel like this game looks 
looks to me like a turbo graphics game. Uh-huh. Like I think it's a good turbo graphics game, but on the Super Nintendo. Well, it's a little more colorful than a PC Engine game would be or a Turbo Graphics game. Yeah. But as I said, like the the arcade game was adapted on on the Turbo Graphics. Right. Uh-huh. So you could see what that looks like on the actual Turbo Graphics if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, technically, there's not a lot of effects here that really make you think, wow, this is like a great 16-bit game or anything. Right, well, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, apart from a few transparency effects, I think technically that's about as far as it goes. Yeah. There's even some slowdown in some parts, especially in the uh, like the mountainous area of the game. There's like a lot of parts where there's like a lot of enemies swarming in, and then there's that those cloud guys throwing out lightning attacks. Yeah. So I think it seems like it's a little more than the game can handle. There's quite a bit of slowdown in that mm. part. But uh, otherwise, it's okay. Yeah. The boss characters are cool. I like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I certainly like the design. Yeah. All right, so what do you got on your plate this week? Busy plate. It was a full plate. <laughs> okay. And uh, so I mentioned last week I was watching some TV shows, like Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And I figured, oh, I figured with the fall's coming up, right? So it's like usually means new shows. I don't know if it means like that anymore, because we live in a digital streaming era, but I figured, let me catch up on some of my shows that I've missed up on. So I went back and watched, uh, I do like the Orange is the New Black show, Mm -hmm. so uh, I caught the last season. I was hoping to have it watched by now, but I'm only on episode 10. Yeah, because they usually come out in June, every June. I think so, yeah, I'm not even sure, I don't keep up that closely to things. So I didn't care for the last season. Um, was it season th- three? Four? Was last year? So this okay, year's four. So I didn't care for three at all. So that's why I kind of put this one off. I thought it was going to be more of the same. Mm-hmm. I think it's better so far, season four. But it's still, uh, I, I think it's hard to recreate the the freshness of what like that series was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I almost feel like I think it's run its course. Yeah, <laughs> I guess the premise is not. The characters are very likable and stuff for me, but, um, yeah, I don't know. But I, I'm getting through it, and I'll finish it, but, eh, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it's okay. Okay. But, so, I gotta I gotta cleanse my palate for a bunch of new shows that might show up in the fall. <laughs> I guess we'll see. But as you know, I don't watch much TV, so. Right. <laughs> Who knows what it'll be. So... I didn't play almost anything this week, uh, but I did, as I was watching TV, I did go through some mobile games, kind of like flipping through some things, and uh, this is one that uh, I thought was pretty good. It's a little simple of a game. It's not anything complex. It's called Mars. Mars. <laughs> double Mars? It's double Mars. It's Mars colon Mars. <laughs> wow, that's a... Uh... A bold and creative title. Yeah. I was in a mood for uh, No Man's Sky, you know, but mm-hmm. so I played this instead. <laughs> <laughs> this is quite a difference. It is quite a difference. This is a free game. It's on iOS, Android, and Apple TV. It was released this year. It is a game similar to, like, Lunar Lander. Mm-hmm. You play this little astronaut guy on this Martian landscape, and you have to... The simple mechanics... You have to springboard from one platform to another, and that's more or less the whole gist of this game. How you, It's an endless game. You just keep going, going, going. But every platform has a number. Mm-hmm. So um, I say like Lunar Lander because you have a fuel pack. So when you boost off your platform, you have uh, thrusters. 
So the left side of the screen is left, right is right, and if you hold both the left and right side of your um, iPhone or whatever you play it on, you'll have a sensor thruster. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, gravity is an effect and, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, you, you know, the, the whole part is watching your fuel gauge as you're, as you boost off to land on the next platform, just paying attention to make sure you run out of fuel. If you do run out of fuel, your character will crash down to the bottom and explode into a million pieces. <laughs> <laughs> but you instantly respawn. And you do respawn, yeah. On the previous pad. Yeah. So, it's, it's like I said, it's very simple. Uh, they added some things in there to get you playing some more... So you get rewarded. So there's like little, not coins, but like little icons that you can pick up along the way. And then also as you land on platforms, they give you some. Uh, you can also watch an ad, and they'll give you even more. But you don't have to. It's really ad-free for the most part. And so you can uh, find new characters. Mm-hmm. I think for like every 50 of these, like, what are they, like these little... Like bottle caps hexagon or something. kind of things, yeah. <laughs> And uh, and the and the characters are kind of like cutesy looking. Like there's a monkey for one of them. One of them's like Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. and he kind of makes like his grunts, you know, Arnold does. So uh, I didn't get that one yet, but um, I think it's him from Total Recall. Maybe that's kind of like oh whole, right, like when he was on Mars. So kind he kind of looks like that. Uh huh. Okay. That uh, makes there's sense. thirty characters mm. in total, but the characters all control the same. It's just a matter of the, the funny animations they make. Right. You know, it's a panda bear, I think. So, you know, the characters are more for, like, the kids, probably, like, they like, these little, like, collect, you know, collect them all kind of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it isn't so simple all the time. It's not just going from one platform to another. There's obstacles in your way. So, you know, this Martian landscape might have, like, a flower, like, these weird mushroom or flower type things. And if you are, if you're coming down to land on the platform and you might touch it, it'll bounce your character and throw you across the screen. Yeah. Or propel you in a different direction, and typically, like, you don't have fuel at that point to rebound, and, you know, you'll, you'll die. Uh, there's also, I discovered, black holes hmm. that'll appear, and you have to try to navigate around that, otherwise you get sucked in. Mm-hmm. And then you also get rewarded for chaining the, uh, going from platform to platform. So if you can go, you know, the more you can do without dying, you'll get a bigger reward, you know? Right. I think the the... F- most I've chained, I think, right now is... I think I'm in, like, 50 or something like that. Wow. I've done... That's pretty good. I've had a pretty good run, yeah. Um, I'm on level 400. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like... This game sounds ridiculously, like, lame, probably. I mean, uh-huh. I'm not describing it as very fun. But it's weird. Like, I start playing it, and I find it very relaxing and soothing. And uh, it's something that you don't really have to pay, like... Clo- you can, like, just do a quick one and then just, like not pay attention or just shut it off mm-hmm. and then go back to it later. Uh, and it plays great on both my Apple TV and the iPad. I, I played it on both and it both w- was good. I noticed this, I, I saw you playing this game a little bit uh-huh. and I noticed there were, there were some, they put some interesting stuff in the background too sometimes. Like, you know, as you're kind of boosting from one platform to the next, you come into view of other stuff like there might be some, just some scenery in the background to, yeah. keep, to keep make things interesting. Yeah, that, I have a little bit of a complaint that the scenery doesn't change a whole lot. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think it only changes when you change your character. Okay, is I it matched really, the character? Yeah, yeah, this, it seems to be. I only have... I, I always forget to to buy, to buy a new character. So I only have, like, three unlocked, I think. When I, when I have, like, tons of money, I can just unlock probably another ten. 
So, um, I think that's what it is because mm-hmm. I, for a while it seemed like the scenery never changed. Hmm. And uh, I don't All know. Right. Yeah, the one I saw was like uh, a very stylized cartoon rocket in the background being fueled, which I kind of recognized. Right. So that cartoon cartoon rocket you told me was a reference to what an old comic to book, a Tintin right? comic. Yeah. What, what is it? It's a, a Tintin was like Tintin? A, a Belgian comic. From, oh, okay. From like. Uh, the 50s, I think, which I, I happened to read when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, I had never even heard of it, but you showed me, and we looked at the comparison, and it's it's spot on. It's, it's like, identical, right? Yeah, it's like, like it was it was from a comic uh, that they did called Journey to the Moon or okay. something like that. So yeah, so this developer, Pomelo Games, are uh, yeah, they're not located in the U.S. I forget if they are. South America, or they are uh, like Germany or something. I'm not sure, but um, maybe they might have been influenced by it. That's a really good possibility. Mm-hmm. I also noticed one of the characters you picked, yeah. which was um, some type of lady or something, as she was boosting, it was like flowers coming out of her, her, her yeah, little rocket that, pad. Uh-huh. So is that different for, for the different characters? It does like, do change. they have, yeah. They have like different little jet streams that they, they yeah. produce? Uh, yeah. Sort of like Rocket League, you know, that sort of thing. It's an interesting little it visual. It doesn't have any control changes or anything. It's still, your character still performs the same. But right. Yeah, so the visual changes. There's also little spots sometimes that you'll see sort of like outlined by a, a frame, like a a square mm-hmm. and if you jump in that square and you can hover in there a second it zooms in and you can take like a selfie shot with the animal mm-hmm. like, of like as if he was taking the photo and then when you take the, the selfie shot you can save it to your camera roll or you can send it to a friend or post it to Twitter or something so um, along with your score sort nice. of thing so yeah optional stuff but I guess you know they're trying to make it maybe more relatable to to the youngsters. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I have no idea why you would uh, put that in there. But I, I think the graphics look all right. I think it has a nice polish to the game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You, you watched me play it a little bit, so uh, I don't know what your feelings on it about it really were. Uh, well, I find that it's very unforgiving. It's it's sort of you you can you have some wiggle room to make some creative landings, but pretty much if you're off target by more than, you know, a couple of inches, you're going to end up splatting on the landscape yeah. and you're going to have to try again. The, when I first started playing, it was it was like that for me. I had a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. But now that I've played it a bit, I can go on these long runs now. It just sort of flows. Right. You know, it's like you have you, to understand the way the gravity and the fuel you works. You get used to the physics. Yeah. The, the, yeah. How long to boost for, to right. so like kind of break in the right spot. Yeah. My well, one complaint, what I was telling you was, it's hard to tell how fast you have to come in to land on the platform because if you're coming in too fast your character splats right and it's a very fine line of you know how quick or slow you you have to land so they give you an indicator on, on the platforms like a red green blue indicator mm-hmm. oh okay. uh, i'm sorry red yellow green something in a stoplights <laughs> so uh if it's yellow that means like you have a chance of not making it. And if it's green, then you're fine. Okay. But you re- almost don't have enough time to even pay attention to that when you're, when you're playing. And that's based on how much fuel you've got left or, like, the angle uh, you're coming in at? It, it's... Or just maybe a combination of those It's just things. a matter of, yeah, how well you were, were levi- you know, thrusting so to reduce your speed so you're not crash landing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't gotten to try this yet, but I'm gonna... I'm gonna check it out, because I like dopey games like this. I like... Kind of like super the, dopey, yeah. I, I'm. It's free. I mean, I uh, 
I've played some other lander games. I think it's I mean just it's just a a, a favorite genre of mine. Mm. I just like doing that whole thing. Interesting. I like uh what was that what was that other Taito game? Lunar Rescue or something like that? I think. Mm. Could be. I'm trying to remember. Not sure. Old arcade game? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. uh there's a there's a few in this category. I, I kinda like it though. Cool. Alright. I tried another one out too. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's called Redungeon, and I've been playing. Actually, I've been playing this one for quite a while, but I've been holding off on my review because I didn't know if I hated it or really liked it. So I do like it. I don't know if I really like it, but I do like it. This is also a freebie. It's on iOS and Android, and it's from so it's from Nitrome, and I've mentioned Nitrome's games. They're really good if you own an Android or iOS device. Just search your app store for Nitrome and try some of their games out. They're really they, their games have a very eight sixteen bit mentality to them. They're they're simple like, phone, like casual phone games still, but that the look and feel of them. There's a lot of like um, pixel graphics and a lot of polish and chiptune music. Their stuff's good, mm-hmm. uh, and often their difficulties it's ramped up pretty high on those games. But this one came out just recently, um, so it's published by Nitrome, but it's actually by a company called Enamines. So this is their first actual like third their first like published game it's not an in- in-house game um there is a four dollar ad removal if you want to get rid of the ads uh there are quite a bit of ads in this game and they and it can get kind of annoying because you do die a lot mm-hmm. so um but i i'm not the type to spend money to get rid of ads they don't bother me that much because like i said i usually i'm playing as i'm watching something like a show so when the ad's playing i just look up and i'm like playing attention to tv or something uh-huh. you know I've done that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this one is, I would say, more like a Crossy Road inspired, a top-down endless dungeon explorer game. Mm-hmm. And you start off as this knight. You can swipe up, down, left, right. Uh, the, the dungeons you're in are randomly generated, and you have to avoid like pitfalls and traps and enemies. Uh, a lot of the times there are moving platforms, there's flames, uh, the enemies usually move in, like, a, a, a predetermined pattern, like a diamond pattern, or, um, like, a, a, a square shape, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they don't actually, like, some of them will chase after you, more likely than not, they won't. Uh, you can also, uh, pick up gems as you're moving forward. It is endless, so you just keep going and going, and it keeps track of your distance. Mm-hmm. And uh, so with these gems, you can buy new characters, or you can upgrade your character, which is kind of cool. So that's what I've been doing with mine. So uh, if you upgrade, you get a shield, I think, on your first upgrade, which allows you to get hit by an enemy once, and then you lose your shield, and then you have one more hit. Uh, If you upgrade again, you can get a sword, and the sword can be used to run into an enemy and kill them. So and these upgrades persist uh, through multiple playthroughs of the game. Uh, yeah, yeah, they carry over. So to... you're actually like permanently upgrading these characters. Uh huh. It is a permanent upgrade. Okay, because I know that's like a complaint of yours about a lot of these, you know, roguelike, roguelike, or, yeah. or, uh, or like one life and you're dead kind of right. games. You're uh-huh. always starting over from scratch, right? And, and you feel like you don't make any progress. <laughs> yeah. So this actually was added in, and that's that's why I held off on this review too because. Uh, initially, that was not in the game, so it mm-hmm. was added on. Sort of like that other game I played played recently too, Ludi Dungeon, I think it was, 
where they also did not have an upgrade system for their character, and they added it in later on. Mm. This this game not only plays similar to that one, but it also has that same mechanic to it. Nice. So it, it adds a little bit more um, replay value to it. It, it. You know, it has the pixel graphics, but it's a little dark. It's all on the dark side. Uh, whereas, like, Bloody Dungeon, I thought it was more colorful and more, more fun-looking. You know, the ads, like I said, the ads were kind of uh, a little bit annoying. The game also froze up on me a few times or crashed, mm-hmm. uh, which I think had to do with the ads, some whatever kind of ad server they're using. So um, hopefully they fixed that problem because it wasn't always like that. I just noticed it recently in one of the updates. Mm-hmm. That's kind of it. Yeah, I've had I've had similar problems with with uh, in in game ads with some games. Sometimes it'll it'll flake out when it's not able to retrieve its ad mm-hmm. correctly, and. A lot of times I end up having to put the device into airplane mode to, you know, kind of prevent it from trying to load ads. I think that's what I did to fix it. Some games will cache some ads locally Uh so that even if it can't get onto the network, it'll at least run a few. And then other games will, like, basically disable some features because if you can't watch an ad, then you can't, it won't give you the continue option or Mm -hmm. something like that. You know, it'll, it'll, you'll basically be playing with, like, reduce functionality as a result how do you feel about the ads in the games uh again if it's not it's like it's like what you mentioned i mean if it's not too intrusive or if it doesn't really get in the way of the game i don't mind like if an ad runs for like 10 seconds uh-huh. to let me continue the game or or something like that yeah a lot of times when i play these type of games it's like as i'm winding down for the day and i've got headphones in and i'm i've usually got like YouTube playing on my phone or something like that. So right. I just end up looking at something else a lot of times. I know that doesn't help the <laughs> the game that much, but at the same time, I, I still acknowledge what I'm looking at. I still kind of am aware of, of, of what they're advertising. So mm-hmm. I guess it works on some level, even if I'm not, my, yeah. my full attention's not on it. It's, it's funny you just said that because when I was playing it, there was an ad for like an Angry Birds game, a new Angry Birds game that I didn't even know they made. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh wow, there's actually a new Angry Birds yeah. game. Yeah, I mean, I, I know people get in, like, I know some people get really offended by being subjected to ads to the point where, you know, you run ad blockers and stuff on yeah, your computer. Yeah, that's, that's why I was wondering. I don't know. I'm not, I, I guess I'm not that affected by it. I hate TV ads. Uh huh. They, and that's one of the reasons why I don't watch TV. Mm. That's, that's really, that's probably the main reason why. Cause I can, and I don't have a DVR, so uh, I don't watch, uh, I can't watch, I can't stand at TV ends. They just drive me bananas. <laughs> the volumes are always like amped up yeah. to the max, like compared to how the, the regular show is. And uh, there's just so much repetition, I just can't stand it. But for some reason on mobile games, they don't bother me. Mm-hmm. I can turn the sound down, I can look away, it doesn't matter. I don't know. And they're usually quick, they're like, you know... Either two, three seconds, at most, like, a 20-second ad, you know, right. the worst well, case scenario. I, I guess if the ad is targeted enough, such that it caters to my interests, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. And that's, I it's think, what uh, I think that's what a lot of advertisers strive for. They want to they wanna have sort of, you know, and I guess that's what gets people into a huff about it, too. Like, yeah. privacy issues. They're like, well, I don't want these things learning about my habits and mm-hmm. whatever. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's harmless or not. I'm still giving away something about me that's valuable, you know? Yeah. And and they resent that. But that's how you we get a lot of these free things. We wouldn't have free games if there wasn't something in right. exchange for it. We yeah, wouldn't have free TV if there wasn't These guys Right, these guys know, have to make money. You right. know, and that's and that's I guess that's why people some people pay for Hulu or something because they want to have ad-free 
Well, even that has ads, but you know, yeah, maybe free blue is gone. That's gone, right? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, even if you pay for it, like you still have to watch some ads. I think in I some think, cases, yeah. I don't know. I don't subscribe to any of those. Uh, I don't know either. I know Netflix is free and Amazon is free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but those are still pay services. Yeah. So there you go. So so the money's going somewhere. Well, I mean, even on I have uh, where we live, we have WPIX, yeah. like a local network, sort of. And they they actually do ad, during shows they'll have banner ads over your show, which I don't know if you have that or maybe it's a Time Warner cable thing. I, but I'm guessing it's a Time Warner thing. Okay, I don't recall ever seeing that. I've got a different cable provider, and um, honestly, I don't see that. But then I'm also like a TiVo uh, user. I'm a mm-hmm. long time TiVo like subscriber, uh, not subscriber, but just I've been using their products for like. 15 years or so, and uh, it's a little different compared to the in-house DVR that the cable company provides. So maybe they don't have that level of control over it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, I can see how that could be annoying. Cool. Sounds like you got a few interesting games in the pipeline, though. Something. Something past time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) While I'm passing time. Yeah. So I guess we can actually tackle a news item this week that had been floated uh this is regard this is playstation related <laughs> one of the, one of the things there's been a lot of playstation news lately a lot of new things happening a lot of leaks rumors a lot of leaks and things we know mm-hmm. there's a playstation event coming up where they're gonna in- unveil some new products perhaps one of them that we've kind of seen already yeah <laughs> the redesigned playstation 4 mm-hmm. uh but we'll we'll talk a bit more about that when it's finally shown off officially yeah uh, next week but yeah. in the meantime there was something else. We got word that PlayStation Plus membership is going up, right? PlayStation Plus, of course, is, you know, the uh, monthly fee that you can pay to PlayStation to get a few perks. Right. Namely, online play. That's kind of the, the reason they say it exists. It used to be free on PlayStation 3, but with PlayStation 4, no. they started to charge Why a monthly rate. Why is it rate. still charging? I mean... How come PC users don't have to pay? I suppose because PC doesn't have that sort of centralized infrastructure that is necessary to to enable online play. A lot of times, PC games are... The servers are either hosted by the company that puts the game out, mm-hmm. or they're hosted by the players themselves. Really? So, so Valve isn't responsible for hosting all these games? Uh, not necessarily. Oh, okay. Not at all. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, basically, PlayStation Plus used to cost forty nine ninety nine for a 12-month membership, uh, but it's now going up to fifty nine ninety nine, an increase of $10. Mm. And that's going to go into effect on September 22nd. So, that's coming up in less than a month. Mm. <laughs> so, if you still find a card for $50, you can buy it and use it. I know. I'm annoyed because they had a really good sale on those cards just maybe like two, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I was going to buy it and i'm i'm good until next like next february or something yeah me too so i was like you know what i'll wait till like christmas time and i'll pick up one because usually that's when i buy it yeah but if i would have known that i would have bought it because i think they were like 35 dollars i saw it for right so yeah now i'm like kicking myself because of course there's no deals now because and even if they were they're all sold out because people knew you know heard this was going to go up in price mm-hmm. So, I'm not too happy about this, and especially the fact that I think 
they know they've had they've had this market corner now because the fan base is so large that they've gotten really lazy on their free games of the month. You think so? Because I've talked about in the past how good, how much I've liked PS Plus because their free games have been really good. Mm-hmm. And I feel lately they've the selection's been not not good at all. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've been really disappointed. <clears throat> Perhaps the increase can be you know sort of leverage to say like well now we're going to go after better games now we'll be able to pay publishers for well, higher not, higher tier yeah. games and uh the you know the selection will improve i'm hoping i mean ten dollars is a lot that's a lot of money on it's on a, a lot but it's you know it's like 80 cents a month or something well when you when you <laughs> figure it like that but when you look at you know the items 50 and then you're increasing it by 10 right it's a pretty big jump right right it's not like you know Two two dollars extra. It's a pretty big number. So I'm I'm curious. Like, where is this money going? Like, mm. What is this for? Well, so so I guess yeah. I, I guess um, we don't really know the economics behind how you know the free games that they decide to give out mm-hmm. are going to be paid. To, I mean, I'm assuming maybe they get paid per download. Maybe they get paid just to be part of the monthly program. I don't really know how the how the thing works out, but assumably the games that get picked are getting some kind of compensation for being given away en masse to however many subscribers they've got rather than, you know, every one of those people having to buy them individually. Uh, yeah, it's a good question, but... All right, so h- how about this, then? How Do you feel that it's always been a good value? Do you think it's a service that... Because I see a lot of people grumbling, saying, you know what, the game selection hasn't been that great, and the heck with it. When it, when my subscription is up, I'm not going to renew it for an extra ten bucks. That's kind of breaks the deal for me, and yeah. I, I don't want to go along mm-hmm. with it. But sure. you know, obviously, you know, you don't you give up online play if you do that, and obviously you give up access to any of the games that you've already got in your library. If you choose to reactivate it at some point, you'll get you know and those the cloud games back. service too. That's right. So they get, you have cloud the ability save. to to back up your game saves mm-hmm. onto the PlayStation Cloud, which keeps it safe in case your machine fails or yep. something and it also lets you log into multiple machines uh i do that when when i come by sometimes i'll i'll download my, yeah, my latest yeah, save yep. from from my cloud backup and i'll have it readily available uh so that works you know it, it's that has some value to me you also get discounts on game sales right so when a game is on sale on yeah. the playstation store PS Plus members get a, an additional discount yeah. on top of that. So I guess it could save you some money. I, I think that, well, Xbox Gold is $60 also. Well, they went up from 49 to 59 yeah. at one point as well. So they've made the jump, and they also didn't really say, well, you know, what are they getting extra? Yeah, they're, they're just, just saying, you know, things cost more, so yeah. therefore you're going to have to pay more for this. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they're keeping up with their competition in some respect. And uh, I still think it's a good deal. I'm not... I don't really subscribe to... I don't do any subscription deals. I don't really do... That's not my thing. Mm -hmm. So this is like one of the few things I subscribe to. Right. And uh, I used to do Xbox Gold, but now that I don't have an Xbox One, I don't... It doesn't really pay for me anymore to do that. So I do the PlayStation One instead. And it's still a good deal, I think. I mean, you get free games. Well, you At least one free game a month or more. Yeah, well, you get... Uh, PlayStation Plus gives you more games than Xbox Games with Gold gives you. Because Games with Gold, what they do is they give you... They typically give you two games for the two platforms. They give you an Xbox, two Xbox One titles and two Xbox 360 titles. Yeah. And 
PS Plus, I think I've seen them give away like up to eight games a month or something, but they spread it out. They give you some PS4 games, they give right. you some PS3 games, and they give you some PSP slash yeah. PS Vita games. For me, that's useless because I only have because you only PS4. have a PS4. Yeah. But typically, so what? Then you're only seeing two or three games out of it, right? Usually two. Mm-hmm. You don't usually get more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if the game is is cross platform a lot of times you'll get it on yeah if it's platforms. a vita game that's cross-platform yeah that's true but even then it's rarely that it's a third game mm-hmm. not not very often yeah it's um it's i mean to, for one thing i don't i mean obviously we call it a subscription because it's a there is a monthly rate but I, but you do get a bit of a discount if you do the the one year at a time right yeah uh, so you're not really paying on a monthly basis, you're paying on an annual basis. Yeah. It's still a subscription, I suppose. Uh, but Well, you can't. You, a lot of people just put their credit card in and have it auto-renew. They auto-renew, Because yeah. I got the email that says, if your credit card's in there, when we auto-renew, it's going to be $10 more. Yeah. I don't do that. I, I buy the prepaid cards, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that don't do that. Right. I mean, there's some people that actually do the monthly plan, which is nine eighty nine yeah. a month. Yeah. So that's like double the cost yep. if you uh, do that's it that a way. Pricey. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I don't. I don't typically pay full price for these deals. Every year, I've always instead of forty nine or fifty nine. In the case of Xbox, it's been fifty nine. But I don't mm-hmm. typically buy these subscriptions for more than forty. Uh, usually, thirty five to thirty eight dollars is typical. Same. Yeah. So. I I expect that those prices will still continue. Those kind of deals might continue. Uh, I'm hoping that's the case because I don't think that's going to happen. Because it is the case in 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 the case of Xbox. I mean, in the case of Xbox, even though it's normally sixty, I typically get those cards for as cheap as thirty five dollars. Yeah, it's possible, but I I think Xbox, Microsoft's a little bit more aggressive with their pricing. Mm -hmm. So you're saying if we see a deal on PS Plus, it might be like. $50 $50 or $48 at best. Yeah. And that's about the best we could hope for going forward. Might be. I'm going to hold off. Well, way. yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't... I, to me, it doesn't... I don't know. I don't have much incentive to stock up on $50 cards right now. I think it's better off. I'm better off taking a chance and waiting for a deal to pop up. Yep. Which I think there might be. <laughs> before. Before the end. We'll see. Before my subscription is up, know. is what I mean. The holidays come. There's deals every day, so anything is possible. Mm-hmm. So another notion I want to I want to sort of address is the idea that well, you know, they've got you on a hook now because you've you've paid into the service already, and you've got this library of games that you've built up by having it for let's say up to two years now or whatever it's been, and you obviously have to renew because if you don't, you lose access to those games. Yeah, and what do you think about that? Is that is that a valid way to look at it? Is it? I mean, you you really a lot of people think of this as a rental service because you don't actually own those games. You're paying a fee, and you kind of get to play them as long as you continue to pay. Yeah, and then as soon as you don't, you don't have that those games anymore. Right. Uh, and so you're saying if it's still what, a good value? Or? Well, do you think do you think that's a good way to look at it? Do you think it's uh, valid? Yeah, to you're look renting at it that those way? games. But sure. but let's say Netflix. I mean, people subscribe to Netflix. Mm. You get access to the library of whatever Netflix has to offer as yeah. long as you've got that subscription going. And then as soon as you don't, you can't watch anything anymore. 
And it's actually worse for Netflix because you don't ever download anything. Right. At least I don't think you can. It's all streaming. So if they pull a movie off there that you really like and you want to watch it like six months from now... Oh, that's that's, true. That's gone. That's true. You don't own it anymore. Uh, There could be games that get... You know, I mean, it used to... See, it's interesting because PS Plus used to be like... They used to have a feature called Instant Game Library Mm. where... As you would, you know, stay subscribed, you know, you would have this big game library that you had access to. Uh, now it's been this kind of thing where a game is only up there for a month at a time, and then it gets removed, and now they add new games every month. Right. So their approach has changed a little bit over time, but um, I don't know. I think I think the value is that you get a bunch of games that you might not have been interested in in the first place and we always use Rocket League as an example of that right mm-hmm. where here's a game that on first glance we're like oh, well I'm not really into soccer or I'm not really into sports competitive online games so I don't know that this is something I would play but since I had it I did play it and it turns out to be a really great game Yeah, yeah. and a game that I really enjoyed I don't know I feel like alright that's a good game that's a good example of a game that you know it, I was introduced to because of this service uh-huh. but <clears throat> that's a that's a type of multiplayer game that you could play for, uh, like infinitely kind of because its value is in just the competitive aspect of it. Um, even if you didn't have PS Plus, you wouldn't be able to play online unless you had PS Plus, right? So it's not the kind of game that you could buy offline and then say, well, the heck with PS Plus. I'm just going to keep... Right. I'm going to play uh-huh. just this game. <laughs> you need PS Plus to be able to go online with it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, uh, let's say other games that they offer. Uh, a lot of those games... I might play it, I might finish the game off, and I'm kind of done with the game. I don't know that I would ever go back to it. So if I lost access to a game that I played and then kind of beat, I don't know that I'd miss it, really, if I didn't have access to it anymore. Because how often do you replay a game once you're done with it? You know, I I know people are you know, used to this idea of ownership and, and so on. And, you know, they say, well, obviously I could, I could loan the game to a friend or I could sell it back if I'm done with it. I don't kind of do those things anyway with the games I buy. Yeah. So I don't know that that's really a factor for me, but I feel like, um, I wouldn't be that concerned about games that I don't get to play anymore if I did cut off the access because I felt like, well, while I subscribed, I could have played those games. Yeah. I mean, when you look at Netflix and you say to yourself, well, I didn't watch everything that's on Netflix this month. Uh-huh. I didn't watch all thousands of titles. You should have. <laughs> I should have, right? <laughs> yeah. Before I got rid of it. <laughs> but I don't, like, lament the stuff that I didn't get to watch if I decide to not continue my subscription. Uh-huh. So I don't know. I think in that sense, I, yeah, all right, it's kind of like a lone game. But at the same time, I don't ever see myself not subscribing to it because it adds a lot of value to owning the console. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's a good value just because, you know, it's all right. So for 30, 40 ish dollars a year, you know, I get I get tons of games that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And and, you know, it's just a better experience overall just having it. So I don't know. To me, I think it's a minor, minor bump. Yeah. And I guess that's what they're hoping most people feel. Yeah, it I, I still doesn't... It still doesn't make me happy. I wish there was just one... Just something, that indicator that the service is going to get better somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like... That this money um, is going to a good place and not just in the CEO's pocket. Right, right. Well, I think uh, I think the, the addition of PS Now might have been a good thing if they could have somehow squeeze that into the plan. I always said that should have been part of it. 
because I guess uh, well, PS Now is their streaming game service that lets you play some of their classic games, right? Or at this point, it's just PS3 games. I think PS3, yeah. Uh, but I think that as a standalone service is what twenty dollars a month. It's something like that. Yeah, I forget. I think mm-hmm. it depends on how many months you buy it. Right. So right now, there's no overlap between the two. It's like. No. There's no, like, you get PS Plus and you get PS Now also or anything like that. Well, the that. thing is, with well, this PS Now can be played on a variety of different devices. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be on a PS4. Right, right. But it is less than PS Plus. It is less. So yes. it would be cool if, like, let's say, well, well for $20 you get PS Now, but if you have PS Plus, then you get both Plus and Now for 60 uh, I mean, that's, like, a lot more. Um, okay, I'm not sure what the monthly cost is on that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure... I'm thinking it's about that, but, is it? okay. but but I could be wrong. Mm. Um, I don't know personally. I don't know if PS Now gives me that much incentive to want to get it. I have a lot of those PS3 games, mm-hmm. and I kind of have enough <laughs> to, to choose from. Yeah, I think it would be interesting if they kind of made it available for like the entire you know breadth of of PlayStation. So PS1. Right. PS2, PSP even would be cool. Yeah, so those you have to actually I think rent those if you want. You have to pay for a rental. Mm-hmm. But you can play those too. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Well, that would be at least one way to add value for this price bump. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but who knows? I, agree. I guess we'll. I guess we'll see what if this goes into effect in September. They have up their sleeve. We'll see by October. And you know, there's going to be a free VR game one month. Oh boy. I think people will be angry at that. Yeah. <laughs> if that... That would have to be in addition to everything else they so? would normally mm-hmm. give out. We'll see. I, I can't imagine... I care. I, I, that's going to be a very small platform for a long time. <laughs> people are not going to feel good about getting a free no. PSVR game. We'll see. I guess we'll find out. I, uh, like I said, I think by October... I think we uh, we will hopefully see some retail class games on on that on that being offered as that. Do you think by October October you'll have you already sell your Xbox One and your PS4 because you're going to be putting that money towards an NX? <laughs> Do you feel like that is what's going to happen? Hmm. I'm not going to say anything about an X until it's real because right now it's fairy dust. <laughs> it's two letters. It doesn't exist. Exists. <laughs> Until there's a visible product, it's imaginary. Okay. That's what I say about that. I guess in conclusion, I guess uh, I'll be looking for PS Plus deals this holiday. Mm. The same as I have in previous years. I'm not, I don't expect Smart. any difference, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, let's get into some feedback. All right. What do you got? I have one from our good contributor, Greg Polander, from the SNES podcast. Mm-hmm. He was referencing, I believe, the episode we you talked about, Castlevania 3 on NES. Okay. So he said, uh, I'm going to just pull out a couple of things. He said, you seem to be under the mistaken impression that the NES didn't last much past 1990. In fact, games came out for the system until 1994 with the last one, an unlicensed title in 1995. Uh, he goes on to say, I've always said some of the best games for a console come out in the last few years of its, of its uh, support 
because the, by then the programmers and companies have learned how to wring every bit of hardware and power out of it. Mm. So I don't know if maybe... Uh, I got the Genesis when it first was launched, which mm-hmm. was like 89, I think it was. Christmas of 89. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it came out like August or something like that. So I was I was a super like as you know I couldn't you couldn't have found a bigger fangirl NES fangirl than me I mean I was on TV promoting Nintendo so I'm pretty much as big as you're gonna find um, but uh, I, at the same time I was one of those people that liked I was always looking for the arcade experience at home mm-hmm. you know from my very early days of gaming so you, all you need is a ColecoVision. At the time, that's all I needed. <laughs> I love the ColecoVision. That brings the arcade experience home. That I've, was what they were promising. I returned my Atari 5200 <laughs> with Pac-Man, no less, uh-huh. to the stores so I can exchange that for ColecoVision because my parents made the wrong choice. All right, well. <laughs> I wanted that arcade-perfect Donkey Kong. They're allowed. They don't know any better. They didn't know any better, but I can't blame them because... <laughs> <laughs> well, that covered you for the first half of the 80s. Yes. So fast-forwarding... Fast-forwarding... So, I, you know, I, I still liked Nintendo. I still played a lot of it, past, even into the 90s. But I think at the time was, I only had, you know, I was still young. I didn't start working for another, you know, two, three years later. So uh, I didn't have that much disposable income where I could buy every, you know, game that came out. So I really had to pick and choose my, my titles. And for me, the Genesis games just looked so much better that it was hard to take my $50 and put it or $40 and put it towards, you know, an older generation game mm-hmm. than uh, when I could pick up, you know, a Super Ghouls and, uh, Ghouls and Ghosts or uh, Revenge of Shinobi, you know, like one of those type of games, which to me looked better, it sounded better, everything was better about it. So, um, I mean, at the time, every Genesis game looked good to me. I owned the soccer game, Tom sort of baseball, like everything. Everything was good. Like, mm-hmm. I was just, the graphics on it just blew my mind. That's how I, I became, like, overnight into a, a, a Sega Genesis fangirl. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had the Master System, too, but that uh, didn't do it for me. Uh-huh. But uh, I still bought an NES game here and there. I think, um, you know, I, I said I bought Super C. You know, I enjoyed that one. I think there was like maybe one other game, and then there was a couple that I've either played over friends' houses or I maybe rented them. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, it was just yeah, that's what it was for me anyway. But I, I know there were good games that still that were made after that. Yeah, well, I think I think what you know what what he said is about um, you know the programmers kind of learning the system. I think that's true for a lot of console generations. Yeah. A lot yeah. of the best games for a system come out in its final year because. It's- They've just had that much more time to work with the hardware, and they learn all the tricks yeah. and, and how to make things look as good as they can. So, yeah, that's definitely a thing that happens. Just look at the Atari 2600 games they're, they're doing today. <laughs> look at the ones that are coming out. 30-plus yeah. years later. Even now, and we finally got a good version of Pac-Man. It's amazing what they can squeeze out of those chips. Right, right. But I think I think it also is indicative of what happens with a lot of systems, too, where... <laughs> You know, when the next console generation happens, people look at the old one as like, it's just old news now. Yeah. It's, it's just, you know, it's time to move on. The, the next technological leap is here. Yeah. Why would you spend time playing an older system? That was the mentality growing up, or at least among a lot of people. And even today, you see that from a lot of people. Like, a lot of people are like, well, as soon as the Xbox One is out, that's it. Xbox 360 is done. It's over. Yeah. There's no reason to buy... 
you know, Call of Duty on Xbox 360 anymore. There's clearly a better version right. out now. And, and like, nowadays, the, the difference between the two generations are so similar. Mm-hmm. At least, like, in the old days. It's blurring a bit more. Between 8 and 16-bit, it was a pretty big difference between mm-hmm. uh, even, you know, something like uh, 2600 and NES. Yeah. Those graphics are pretty drastic. I think, you know, I mean, it's different nowadays when, you know, we kind of look back at some of the old games that we appreciate growing up. You know, we yeah. still we still think of a lot of these older games fondly because we sort of have a longer view on, on gaming history than a lot of people do. Uh-huh. But I think even back then, I mean, I think that's why the NES didn't register with me when it came out. I was like, well, you know, I had played 8-bit games since like 1980. And when the NES came out by, like, 85, 86, I'm like, this is just more 8-bit stuff. Right. And I was already aware of, like, PC gaming and stuff like that. And I was always, like, kind of, like, looking ahead to think, you know, I, I like playing a lot of simulation-type games. And it was, these games were just not capable of being rendered on, on earlier yeah. hardware. And, and the experience just got progressively better with, like, better hardware. So Yeah, and I, I think Greg's point is trying to say also is... That it didn't really matter what the graphics were. Like, it wasn't about the graphics. It was about the gameplay. Mm-hmm. And these games were still good games, despite not looking like, you know, next-gen or whatever, sure. you know, graphics might look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... But, but I think our mentality, though, at the time was, yeah, gameplay was important, but graphics and sound were also a huge part of mm-hmm. uh, gaming for me. So right. I was... That, I kind of was sold on a lot of that. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, until... Until, like, the PC got VGA graphics and, uh-huh. and a sound blaster, it was kind of still kind of in the Stone Age <laughs> in a lot of ways. So it took it took a certain amount of, of technology to make things, like, viable. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. Power Blade on NES. Mm-hmm. All right. Decent game. Played a little bit like Mega Man, you know, but not great graphics. So that game came out in, like, 91, 92 or something like that. At that time, I was playing Alone in the Dark on a PC, which is like a Mm polygon-based game. Right. And, uh, you know, I played both. I I had both games, but it's hard to go back. Like, once you start playing those graphics and stuff, I don't know. Even today, like, that's that's why I don't play a lot of retro gaming anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Unless it's something that, it was something that I find, like, some kind of nostalgic, you know, and I get a lot of those warm, you know, fuzzy memories. Mm-hmm. Um, for me to go back to some of these old games is kind of, uh, it's too much new stuff that looks better and sounds better <laughs> and plays better, but still keeps that, you know, old timey feel to it. I think actually, I think that's the great thing about the technology today is that, you know, you could say, well, those limitations forced artistry to be more creative back then. Right. They worked yeah. within limits and they created some really amazing stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, but nowadays, a lot of those barriers are just completely gone. You could just do whatever you want. And it's interesting when somebody can incorporate those older aesthetics yeah. with like more modern mechanics and at the same time introduce like maybe some 3D stuff, maybe some, uh, you know, while still maintaining sort of like that flat 2D look, they add a little bit of something to give it like uh, kind of a, you know, a little bridge between worlds <laughs> in a way. Mm-hmm. Um I think, you know, it's, it's, this, you could do things, uh, many different ways. And I, I guess some people will argue that those older, um, pixel style games kind of have stood the test of time better than, than some of the early 3d stuff, because that stuff looks a lot more rough these days. Whereas, you know, the 2d bitmap stuff holds up a little better because it was more sort of curated, you know? Right. 
It's a lot of different ways of looking at it. Yeah. But, yeah. but we do have a lot of choice, and that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the feedback, Greg. Yeah, that was a great comment. That, that's uh, We could probably talk about this for a couple hours, <laughs> but we won't do that. This... Yeah, I guess we're we're sort of uh, at the end of another episode. Yes. So thanks again for listening, and I guess we'll uh, we're as always on Facebook. Uh, also, uh, you could also send us an email directly if you don't uh, have a Facebook account at obbfeedback at gmail dot com. Uh, so I guess we'll see you next time. See you.